Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Abnormal Psychologist podcast, hosted by yours truly, Dr. Colby Taylor. I'm a psychologist. I'm maybe a little bit abnormal. Uh, my wife was calling me weird this morning, um, so I don't know whether to take that as a compliment or not. Uh, anyways, I'm a university professor at Christian Brothers University here in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm also a licensed psychologist here in Tennessee, and I host this podcast for fun. Um, since the last episode, the 988 suicide hotline has gone live, um, and I've seen a lot of stuff on social media, like a lot of Instagram stories or whatever, talking about the 988 hotline. So I'm glad that the word is out there. Um, you can go back and listen to one of my previous episodes on the National Suicide Hotline and some of the concerns I have about the rollout. Um, but that's not the focus of today's episode. Today's episode is going to talk about the green-eyed monster. Um, and we're not really going to talk about monsters in this episode, um, although that would probably make for an intriguing episode, maybe on phobias of monsters or whatever. Um, we are going to talk about jealousy. Uh, and this is a mailbag request, so let me read the mailbag email out. And it says, Dear Dr. Taylor, I'm a huge fan of your podcast uh, in Pennsylvania. I've been interested in hearing more about a specific OCD theme. Uh, just over a year ago, I received my OCD diagnosis following a downhill spiral of daily struggles with intrusive thoughts and the actions they would compel me to do. My particular theme is known as retroactive jealousy OCD. I have frequent intrusive thoughts about my significant other's romantic history, and prior to treatment, I would be sucked into a number of compulsions that involved constant interrogation of my girlfriend's past, along with daily reassurance seeking. I was wondering if you would be interested in doing an episode on psychological disorders that involve others, or more specifically, OCD themes that cause people to obsess about a particular person. I think that these lesser-known OCD themes are often overlooked because of their rarity, and I would like to learn what I can um, from your take on this topic. Thank you for the wonderful content on your podcast. You've really helped spark my interest in psychology. Um, and then it says best, and it's signed uh, an alias Julian. All right, so thank you, Julian, for the episode request. Um, jealousy is a weird emotion. Uh, like you want what someone else has, I think is like the traditional definition of jealousy, right? Um, I think about like the Bible in some ways and like the coveting, which is such a weird word, coveting somebody else's wife or coveting somebody else's stuff, sort of like jealousy. Um, but romantic jealousy is a little bit different, um, especially in uh, sort of the case that you describe, because it's not necessarily wanting um, in the traditional way what somebody else has, not like coveting, I guess. Um, in this case, I'm thinking about jealousy as sort of a cognitive distortion. You remember with anxiety disorders way back in season one, we talked about cognitive distortions a little bit. So a cognitive distortion in this situation might be you send your significant other a text message and she doesn't answer the text. So you commit the classical cognitive distortion of jumping to conclusions um, that your significant other is with someone else right now, that they're maybe on a date with somebody else and they're ignoring you. They're looking at their phone, they see your text. They're putting it face down on the table and they're going back to their romantic date with somebody else. Um, you also commit the, the cognitive distortion of catastrophizing, right? You go to the worst case scenario. Um, you magnify the negative and you minimize the positive. So we also have uh, the cognitive distortions of magnification there, you know, playing up the negative and then minimization. You're, you're minimizing the positive. So you might focus on that unanswered text. Uh, which is magnifying the positive or magnifying the negative 
instead of uh, the fact that your significant other has been otherwise like super loving and caring and that maybe you went on an awesome date the night before, um, that would be minimizing the positive. So lots of cognitive distortions can be in play when we talk about jealousy. Um, also, some jealousy can be classified as reactive, reactive jealousy. So like you're responding to some stimulus. Um, so maybe you have an unanswered text or the way like you're, you're witnessing your significant other at a cocktail party or whatever, and they laughed at someone else's joke and you perceive that he or she was flirting, right? Um, because they gave that flirty laugh at somebody else's joke. So you're like misperceiving a, a stimulus, sort of reactive jealousy. Uh, anyways, jealousy is like a super normal emotion. All humans experience jealousy. Uh, so jealousy in itself is normal, but like just about any emotion, too much of it can become pathological. And making that distinguishment between like normal jealousy and pathological jealousy can be really, really difficult. Like where do we draw the line? Um, pathological jealousy can also be termed morbid jealousy. So you'll see this term thrown around a lot in psychological literature, morbid jealousy. And morbid jealousy is where you're like toxically, irrationally preoccupied that your significant other is being unfaithful. And although I've only seen one episode of this Netflix show, um, I must confess, like I need to, I need to go back and uh, get hip with the times. My my students are always uh, writing about Joe Goldberg and the Netflix show You. Um, and based on their essays, again, I've only seen one episode. It sounds a lot like Joe Goldberg might experience morbid jealousy. Uh, send me an email. Let me know if I'm right on that hunch. Uh, maybe eventually I'll get to watch it. We watched that first episode, my wife and I. And it was like too intense for her. She likes watching fluffy, feel-good stuff after the kids go to bed. Um, and so I might have to watch you on my own time. So back to morbid jealousy. I like that term. It's kind of weird, morbid jealousy. It's something, you know. Anyways, um, we do know neurochemically, um, or we think neurochemically, that serotonin is involved. So 5-HT, sometimes you'll see is the abbreviation for, for serotonin. Uh, and since serotonin might be implicated in morbid jealousy, one of the first lines of treatment um, is an SSRI, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Um, so oftentimes you'll see SSRIs prescribed uh, to treat uh, morbid jealousy. Uh, we also know that SSRIs are commonly used to treat other sort of themes of obsessive compulsive disorder. So this shouldn't be terribly surprising. Sort of going back to Joe Goldberg on you, doesn't he become like violent or homicidal or something? I, I don't know. I think he does. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyways, people, and especially men that experience morbid jealousy, can become violent. Um, so you see a lot of intimate partner violence. You see that acronym IPV thrown around a lot with morbid jealousy. Morbid jealousy can lead to, to that intimate partner violence. Um, and I'm curious to see what listeners have to say on this. Do you think men or women experience more jealousy? Um, men or women, do they experience more jealousy? I, I couldn't find much on like the actual frequency of emotion of jealousy based on you know biological sex or gender or whatever. Um, maybe a better question would be like, who is more toxic in their expression of jealousy? That might be better than, do you think men or women are more jealous? But who's more toxic in their expression of jealousy? Be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I know men tend to be more jealous of possible physical or sexual betrayal, whereas women are more jealous of like possible interpersonal or emotional betrayal. 
Um, there has been some interesting research on this. Uh, there was a, a study I encountered by Sing It All that found uh, morbid jealousy was twice as common in men than in women. So that's the morbid jealousy piece. Not necessarily that question, do you think men or women are more jealous? But men tend to be twice as morbidly jealous as women. Uh, singing colleagues also found that schizophrenia and depression, and not so much OCD, were common underlying diagnoses with morbid jealousy. And I found the schizophrenia thing really interesting, right? Because in a way, these cognitive distortions could be seen as delusions. Um, I've also read some case studies where antipsychotics have been effective in extreme situations. So maybe there's a delusional, almost psychotic piece to this. And also, I mentioned serotonin earlier. We classically um, think about schizophrenia as having a dopamine component. You hear the dopamine hypothesis of schizophrenia. Um, I have a hunch that dopamine is heavily, heavily involved with morbid jealousy. Not just serotonin, but dopamine too. Um, also, singing colleagues found that over half of men and women with morbid jealousy express suicidality. So morbid jealousy is a risk factor for suicide. Uh, it's interesting, too, because I've had some like borderline-ish clients before, and especially men, who have threatened to commit suicide if their spouse left them, or threatened to commit suicide if their spouse was unfaithful to them. And this morbid jealousy thing sort of reminds me of like fears of abandonment. Uh, we, we classically associate fears of abandonment with borderline personality disorder. And I could see a ton of overlap between borderline personality disorder and morbid jealousy. Another study I encountered by Graf Redford and colleagues also found relationships between morbid jealousy and neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia, and also found a link between morbid jealousy and certain brain tumors. Um, in my other research, uh, a paper by Maserati, um, or Marazzotti, I said Maserati, I was thinking about the car, but it's actually Marazzetti or Marazzetti. Um, uh, what a Maserati. I, there's been like one driving around my neighborhood. I think somebody in my neighborhood uh, drives a Maserati. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. If only I won the lottery. Um, actually, I don't think I'd be much of a Maserati person. Uh, but anyways, Marazzetti created a measure of jealousy, a questionnaire to measure jealousy. The, the official name is the Questionnaire on Effective Relationships. So it's abbreviated QAR. Uh, you can Google it. It's 30 items long. Um, some examples of items um, include are, are like, are you concerned about the possibility your partner may not be sincere with you? And then you answer that on a Likert scale. Um, another is, do you avoid situations where your partner can meet a person of the opposite sex? Uh, another example question is, do you prefer if your partner does not go on holiday if not with you? So one of, the, one of the criticisms I have of this QAR measure is it's sort of clunky. I think it was actually probably translated from another language into English. So with that last one, do you prefer if your partner does not go on holiday if not with you? Obviously, there's a double negative there. Um, and then we have the term holiday, I think, which means vacation there in European context. So the language is a little bit clunky with this QAR, but it's worth checking out. Um, all right, so specifically to the mailbag request on retroactive jealousy. So retroactive jealousy, you're just super preoccupied with the romantic history of your spouse. Uh, so this isn't so much a, a cognitive misattribution as to whether your spouse is like cheating on you or not. Um, this deals more with intrusive thoughts, thoughts you, you can't get rid of uh, about your spouse being with somebody else. 
And you can see how this fits the traditional definition of what an obsession is. Um, these are distressing, intrusive thoughts. And your compulsion here, your compulsive behavior, is reassurance seeking. Um, you also have the compulsive behavior of, I guess, uh, doing sort of some prying uh, into what your spouse is up to. Maybe checking their phone, making sure that, you know, I don't know, going through their text messages, putting a tracker on their phone. I don't know. I don't know what extent this goes to, but um, you can see that there's a behavioral component to this as well. So it does seem to meet for obsessive compulsive disorder. And since it's obsessive compulsive disorder, I can see how the traditional ERP, um, exposure plus response prevention approach, um, would work here. Uh, while the thoughts of your spouse being with someone else seem intrusive and sort of omnipresent in a way, um, I could see how one might be sort of resistant to these thoughts instead of just sort of like passively and non-judgmentally marinating in them, right? Um, you're resisting these thoughts in some ways. Um, so, and there's obviously some active resistance to these thoughts through reassurance seeking. And that's probably the response we'd want to prevent. Uh, we'd want to prevent reassurance seeking. We want to prevent these like prying sort of behaviors, this interrogation into what your spouse has been doing. So um, just spitballing here, thinking hypothetically here, uh, maybe like radical honesty with your spouse where she sh shares all of the nitty gritty, dirty secrets of her past relationships. And you marinate in these for a while without fighting them, without seeking reassurance. Maybe that could be helpful. Or you could even brainstorm the absolute worst, most distressing situations your spouse could have been in, uh, could have had in her previous relationships. Sort of an exaggerated, imaginal exposure response here. Uh, possibly journaling these, um, getting them out there on paper. Uh, and if you're exposed to this sort of nightmare romantic history continuously, eventually it's going to lose its power over you, hopefully. Um, so I could see that exposure plus response prevention piece maybe working here. Um, I mentioned the green-eyed monster, uh, that this episode would be on the green-eyed monster. I guess that's sort of jealousy personified, but a monster is not really a person. Jealousy uh, monsterified? I don't know. Um, you know, that actually, the phrase green-eyed monster comes from Shakespeare, um, so let's tie this into Shakespeare. Uh, another name for morbid jealousy is Othello syndrome. Um, and Othello is, uh, like, thinking back to reading Othello in, in high school, Othello is suspicious that one of his, like, handsome, good-looking soldiers, Cassio, is messing around with um, Othello's wife, Desdemona. And Iago, who's, like, the villain of Othello, stokes this jealousy by planting a handkerchief or something. And Othello eventually ends up like super suspicious of Desdemona and he ends up smothering his wife to death with a pillow. Uh, but then he realizes she was actually faithful to him and Othello commits suicide, which I guess sort of goes along with the suicidality I mentioned earlier. It's not really a happy ending. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned Jeopardy, I think in the last episode, Shakespeare is a little bit triggering to me. Um, it's how I lost my second day on Jeopardy. So there was a final Jeopardy question on Shakespeare. I was in first place going into final Jeopardy. Everybody missed it, but here's the Shakespeare question. Um, it was, with a backdrop of war, the 1609 play titled The History of This Pair takes place earlier than any Shakespeare history play. Um, and the answer to that um, is Troilus and Cressida. Uh, I went with Tristan and Isolde, uh, which is not even a Shakespeare play. Um, 
but yeah, everybody missed it. I wagered too much, and uh, that ended my Jeopardy run. But at least I won one day. Um, and the Folger Shakespeare Library actually like tweeted out the final Jeopardy the day afterwards. I think there was a picture of me on it. So anyway, Shakespeare's a little bit triggering to me. Um, the mailbag is empty other than this episode request. So you can send me episode requests, questions, whatever, uh, with the subject line mailbag to ctayllo 41 at cbu.edu. I always appreciate hearing from listeners. Uh, I know that there was some qu sound quality problems, I think, with my last episode. Um, I had let my kids up on the computer, and I think they were pressing buttons on my microphone. You know, they were just like banging on the keyboard or whatever. Um, so hopefully the sound quality on this one's a little bit better, uh, but I'll continue to work at it. Um, yeah, but uh, send me some emails, uh, especially before the fall semester starts. It starts about in about a month, um, and I am not prepared for it. I need to go go in and get my syllabi ready. I'm teaching uh, abnormal psychology and psychopathology, and I'm also teaching educational psychology. Uh, so I'm excited about this semester, uh, but also like many of you that are college students, uh, procrastinating a little bit. Maybe we could do an episode on procrastination. Um, anyways, uh, that's about all I have to talk about. So until the next episode, take care and stay well.